Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Lord, speak to me through that which you have already spoken. Do you approach the scriptures um, with that spirit and with that attitude? Lord, speak to me through that which you have already spoken. God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. And so I'm wondering if as you approach the scriptures, you, you, you ask for the Holy Spirit to illuminate your heart and mind that you might understand what God has said And what God is saying, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me today through that which you have already spoken. Bless me and help me to understand your word. And then help me to apply it to my life, to to live as an integrated person of the word. We are people of the word. Are you also a person of the word? Where in the word are you today? Um, I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. It's our birthday, by the way. Uh, in case you didn't know that, today is Faith Radio's 75th birthday. This is your birthday song, and is it very long? Hey, you are allowed to put on a party hat and sing to us. We would love that. Uh, yeah. And yes, um, gifts are appropriate. You know, you could send us a, a gift of an encouraging text message at 877-933-2484. Um, and, you know, celebrate Faith Radio in any way that seems appropriate to you. We're 75 today. That is pretty cool. Um, Lord, speak to me through that which you have already spoken. Where in the word are you today? I am in, well, I'm, I'm you know me, I'm in, I'm in the place of scripture where we are together, um, the growing your faith verse of the day. So I'm in 1 Peter 4. But in preparation for the season of Lent, which actually begins a week from today, Ash Wednesday is a week from today. Yes, I also know that that happens to be Valentine's Day, which in addition to being my sister's birthday is also my parents' anniversary. So, you know, there's going to be a lot going on um, on February the 14th this year. It's also Ash Wednesday this year. And so I'm always working ahead. That might surprise you. It might not surprise you, but I'm always, you know, working ahead. And so I've actually... I'm actually all the way in the resurrection story because I'm preparing, you know, for a Lenten study that I'm leading. And so there you go. You got to be ahead of the game if you're going to be leading, right? Because it's hard to lead from behind. So there you go. Or even, well, you get the idea. So I was in John chapter 20 and rereading the narrative there and had prayed, you know, Lord, speak to me through that which you have already spoken. And so uh, in John chapter 20, we get the the story the account of what you and I know as Easter morning. They didn't know it as Easter morning yet. They just knew it as the third day. Um, And the Sabbath was over. And at first light, um, the women are going to go and they're, they're going to tend to the body. Well, when they arrive, the stone is not 
not where it was. The stone is no longer sealing the tomb. And so Mary Magdalene runs back. She finds Simon Peter and what John describes as the other disciple whom Jesus loved, which we know is John. So Peter and John here, she she finds them and she's like, they've taken the Lord. Like, we don't know, we don't know where he is. And so they run and there's like this foot race that that's, they're, they're running together. And then John outruns Peter and he gets there first, but he stops and looks in and he sees the linen cloths lying there, but he doesn't go in. And then Simon Peter goes straight in and he sees the linen clothes as well. And then verse seven, and the cloth that was covering his face, the cloth that was upon his head, well, it's not lying with the linen cloths, but it's wrapped together. In some translations, you'll see the word folded in a place by itself. Now, I got to tell you, I want you to go and read the rest of um, of John chapter 20 and, and, and let it delight your heart. But I got to tell you that uh, yesterday when I was reading this and having asked God to speak to me through what he'd already spoken, I, I came to a full stop right there, a full stop. And I'm like, all right, I'm not sure that I've ever spent much time thinking about the fact that Jesus took, took time to fold up the cloth. So just think about that for a moment. So he rises from the dead and he takes the time to neatly fold up <laughs> the cloth that was covering his face. Let's consider this seemingly small detail for just a moment. Do you do you fold up a napkin? Like if you have a cloth napkin at, at dinner, do you fold it up when you're done? That's an indication to the, um, like, right, it's, a, it's an indication um, that, it's usually an indication that you're coming back. <clears throat> but if you are folding it up and setting it on the plate, it's an indication to the host that you're finished. But like, did you make your bed this morning? Small details. Like when you got up, did you fold up? The blanket? Did you fold up your laundry and put it away the last time you did the wash? I guess, um, you know, I, I, I was just thinking about the evidence that this is of the resurrection. Like a real person really rose from the dead. And it's not as if somebody else was there, um, stripping away the the linen cloths. No, clearly, Jesus just folded it up himself and set it over there to the side. Obviously, not in a hurry, not in a rush. Mm. Rose from the dead. Anyway, um, ask the Lord to speak to you today through that which he has already spoken. Get into the word of God. Let the word of God get into you and then get out there into the world that he so loves and honor Jesus. We're going to spend some time together uh, today, just uh, just me and you. I'm going to focus on some heart-hitting news next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Seventeen uh, plus years ago, Jennifer Crumley gave birth to a baby boy. Want you just to imagine what she thought um, at that time how she prepared for him, how she loved him, how she raised him. 
November 30th, 2021, her then 15-year-old son um, took a 9-millimeter semi-automatic handgun that his dad had bought him for Christmas four days earlier, uh, and he killed four of his classmates and wounded several others. He is now uh, serving a life sentence without the possibility of parole for his crimes, and yesterday... A jury found his mom, Jennifer Crumley, 45 years old, uh, guilty of four counts of involuntary manslaughter in connection with her son's shooting at Oxford High School in Michigan. Jennifer Crumley now faces a maximum penalty of 15 years in prison for each count, and you can do the math there, 15 times 4. Her sentencing is scheduled for April the 9th. Um, 57-year-old James Crumley uh, is also charged with the same same charges, involuntary manslaughter, uh, and he is going to face trial next month. This is is a significant development in terms of jurisprudence in the United States of America. Parents actually being criminally held responsible for the sins of their children. Children who, in some cases, are prosecuted as adults. And so this is an important story for us to consider today because we have the responsibility to raise our children and to raise them right and righteously. And to recognize that the sins of the fathers are often manifested in the lives of our children, but that they are also individuals themselves. And and they are each and all going to act in sinful ways because every person is a real person. And although really created in the image of God, also really fallen, genuinely depraved. So you may hear the sins of the fathers um, referred to in relationship to this story out of Michigan. And so I thought today it would be helpful for us to revisit where that phrase comes from. It does appear um, several places in, in the Old Testament. It's linked to the keeping of the commandments of God and the consequences of sin, passing generationally from parent to child and to many generations after that. But it's not as if children actually, like, inherit sin, although we all inherit a sin nature. Certain sins do carry intergenerational consequences, and so the sins of the father um, is really in relationship to that. But I thought it would be helpful to, to just read some of these today. From Exodus chapter 20, Um, This is about, uh, you know, idolatry um, in terms of the commandments here. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So children are in in God's law um, penalized to the third and fourth generation of parents who hate God. So that's a place where we could spend a lot of time talking, but that's the generational consequence of sin that is normally referred to 
when we talk about the sins of the father. Numbers 14, 18. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the sons to the third and fourth generation. Um, it's also reflected in Deuteronomy 5 about the keeping of, of commandments. Um, and this is where you get the, um, the other side of the conversation. And that's a, it's about the blessing, how blessing um, of the faithful redounds to a thousand generations. So it says, um, don't bow yourself down to idols nor, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the sons to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but doing mercy showing mercy, blessing to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So clearly, there is um, generational blessing as well, and we certainly recognize that. So in this case, um, the parent is being held criminally responsible for the sins of the child. This young man, now 17, pled guilty in 2022 to all the counts against him and is serving the rest of his life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now, you might ask yourself, well, is that justice? But what does it mean for parents to be held responsible for the crimes of their children? How does that news hit your heart today? What would it look like if that were applied universally? For you and I to be held responsible for the criminal actions of our children. And what does it look like for our elder brother to take all the penalty of our sin upon himself? Where's the gospel here? How does the news story hit your heart? And then how does the gospel affect your response? You and I stand guilty, as does everyone else. Um, before the throne of justice, of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But how great is the Father's love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Taking the penalty upon himself. We're going to continue our conversation together here in, um, in just a moment. But I think I'd like for us to just consider for a moment this family, how we could pray for them, this young man incarcerated and those who are imprisoned with him, that God would lift up a gospel witness, that his life would be redeemed, even though the rest of it is going to be spent behind bars. What does that look like? Who are the voices of, of joy in his life? And then for this mom and this dad um, to pray for them, clearly when they, you know, on the day that this little boy was born, this is not the future they anticipated. Um, And so let's think about our parenting today and let's think about the children God has set us as stewards over. They are his. And so how are we shepherding their hearts Um, in the gospel? What kind of gifts are we giving them for Christmas? How are we spending time with them on the weekends? Because all of that is a part of the fabric of this story out of Michigan today.
How does that hit your heart? More together next here on Mornings with Carmen. You are not alone. Do you believe me when I say that? You are not alone. The enemy wants you to believe that you are not only alone, all alone, but to make you feel bad about it. That's loneliness. And it's a lie. Jesus tells us that the enemy tells us lies to rob us of our joy, kill our hope, and destroy our lives. And so if you're experiencing loneliness today, let me say this. You're not alone. The enemy is using the weapon of loneliness against a lot of people right now. But here's the good news. God is present. God is present right now, and he's closer to you than your very next breath. God loves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You were created for relationship with him. And that sense of loneliness that you have right now, well, that's an indication that your heart knows it. Loneliness is the spiritual indicator that real love, real companionship, real relationship, real life are all possible. And guess what? Jesus literally came to make that connection with you. Do you want to know more? Text the word LONELY to 877-933-2484. And I'll drop in on you to remind you that God is present and you're not alone. Text LONELY, L-O-N-E-L-Y, to 877-933-2484. Connecting faith to life. Faith Radio. The building and construction of this station we owe largely to the sacrificial gifts of the student, faculty, and staff of the Northwestern schools. And today we're grateful for these over a thousand students that have come from 42 states and nearly 15 foreign countries representing 21 denominations that have gathered from all parts of the world to study the Word of God that they might go out with knowledge on fire to present the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in these tragic days in which we're living. And so, today this station stands as a monument to answered prayer and the sacrificial giving of the greatest gang of students, and faculty, and staff, I believe, anywhere in all the world today. That is the voice of Billy Graham, and he is talking about the birthday of Faith Radio 75 years ago today. Happy birthday, Faith Radio. You can get your party hat out. You can get those popper things, those confetti poppers. I like those. Maybe you want to do a little birthday dance. Maybe you want to sing to us. Maybe you want to send us a gift. Mm -hmm. All appropriate expressions of celebrating Faith Radio's 75th birthday today and in the spirit of giving, and in the uh, in the spirit of it's better to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. For Faith Radio's 75th birthday, we're giving away stuff. Yep, you can register right now at uh, myfaithradio.com to win one of 75 birthday boxes. You know, 75 because we're 75. And in there, we got all kinds of fun stuff. We got a Brant Hansen book. We got a Faith Radio t-shirt. I don't know. There's all there's kind of all kinds of loot in there. And so we would love for you to celebrate our birthday with us by entering to win a Faith Radio 75th birthday box at myfaithradio.com. We are literally here today because of um, your gifts. 
And so thank you for all of the gifts that you have given over the course of the last 75 years that make this ministry possible every single day. And I would be remiss if I didn't here take the opportunity to say, um, if you'd like to give a gift in thanksgiving to God for the ministry of of Faith Radio, um, yeah, there's a Donate Now button on the website. Um, There's a way to give on the app. Um, Wherever you listen, you can give. And so I encourage and invite you to do that. Um, This is... um, This is a ministry made possible by the gifts of people just like you. And 75 years ago, it was a bunch of college students from, you know, as you heard Billy Graham say, all across the the country and around the world who, you know, like they gave up their lunch money in order to launch a radio ministry so that the gospel could go forth to their neighbors in St. Paul, Minnesota. And from there... God has fanned the flame of a ministry that now reaches people in more than 170 countries active listening around the world. Actively listening in 170 countries around the world. Think about that. Every 50, all of the 50 states in America, all of the provinces of Canada, um, and 170 countries around the world. People are utilizing resources from MyFaithRadio.com. They are sharing podcasts from um, the app. And they are listening live right now, not only on radio signals, but digitally um, around the world. And so your gifts make that possible. And we're going to invite you to celebrate with us all year, our 75th birthday. But today's our actual birthday. So, you know, kind of fun to get gifts on your actual birthday, even though we're not officially having a Faith Radio fundraiser of any kind today. You know, it is our birthday, and we'd love to invite you to celebrate with us. So... Um, you know, do that if you feel so led. But also, you can go to the website to, to to register to get a gift. It's like a party favor. You know, you go to a party and you get a gift. I kind of like that. Um, and so thanks for coming to our party today. Um, yeah, go get a uh, register to get a birthday box at MyFaithRadio.com. Now, let me ask this question. Um, do you owe somebody today? When I ask you, do you owe someone? Who do you owe and how much do you owe them? My guess is a particular individual um, comes to mind and you're probably thinking about money. Um, And we should be thinking a little bit about money because America as a country is deep in debt and Americans are deep in debt. Um, And so you're going to hear that some in the headline news today um, that we have reached a point collectively of indebtedness that's really extraordinary. And, And obviously I'm... I could be talking about our collective debt, which is now over $34 trillion with a T, which is more commas and zeros than, uh, yeah, 3, 6, 9, 12. There's like 12 numbers and then a comma and then the 34, like crazy, right? All right, that's our collective debt. But individually, as individual households, we're also um, deeply in debt. The new numbers are just out and America's combined household debt Um, rose by $212 billion to a record $17.5 trillion in the last three months of last year. Um, And so we owe $34 trillion collectively in debt, and we, as individuals and households, are also $17.5 trillion in debt. Um, That's unsustainable. That is unsustainable. That is going to be a debt we cannot pay. 
And so um, I thought I would bring it up today so that you and I could begin seriously considering, seriously considering what it looks like um, to be burdened with debt that you cannot pay. Um, and then also what it looks like to live as people liberated from debt you could not pay. And so I, I'm thinking that what should be coming to mind for us as Christians is the debt that Jesus paid, like Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I'm recognizing that by grace I have been saved through faith. I couldn't earn it. There was nothing I could do to get it. I owed more than I could ever repay, and Jesus paid it all. Owe to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Um, yeah, there is a debt of gratitude that I owe to God for paying a debt totally beyond my ability to repay. Um, Paul actually says in Second Thessalonians um, chapter one, we owe God a constant debt of gratitude. Yeah, we do it. We we owe God a, a debt of gratitude for one another. That's the that's actually the spirit of Paul in that letter. He's thanking God um, for his brothers and sisters in Christ in Thessalonica because they are paying his way. And so today, you know, because I represent a ministry where you have paid our way, I owe God a constant debt of gratitude for you. So thank you. Also mindful when we talk about debt, um, you know, I think about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So that means I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be um, holding an account of the ways that you sin against me. And I hope you're not keeping an account of the ways in which I sin against you. I hope we're not picking up offenses related to one another. I hope we're keeping no record of wrongs. Let us forgive one another as in Christ Jesus we have been forgiven. Let us forgive our debtors as we uh, forgive, yeah, our debtors as, um, as we have been forgiven. Who do you owe and what do you owe them? Yes, this is a financial conversation and we would, we would be greatly blessed to be liberated from the bondage of the debt we owe um, in terms of our financial obligations Debt weighs us down and debt prevents us from being able to do all the good God calls us to do in every moment. So there's no question that living debt-free is a, is a great and blessed way to live. But you and I um, are going to carry a debt of gratitude and a debt of grace forever. And so that one is not going to be repaid because it's already been paid forward. And how cool is that? So just a few thoughts on debt and indebtedness today. Um, as you're definitely going to hear in the in the news that not only has the United States um, collectively reached a place of indebtedness that we cannot pay, but individual Americans and American households have likewise now reached a stage of indebtedness that is unsustainable. It's a good day to talk about debt um, and the fact that Jesus has paid it all. Um, and now all to him we owe a debt of gratitude. Next up, we're going to talk with Betsy um, Haddix. She is the author of Once Upon a Divorce. And I guess I want to say this before um, Betsy joins us. When you think about um, a wedding story, you know, you, you think about, um, you know, the boy, boy meets girl, girl meets boy. Um, they fall in love. Boy asks girl to marry him. She says yes. Then she says yes to the dress, and they make a big plan. And they walk down the aisle together in, you know, in a vision that she's had um, 
once upon a time about what all that would look like. And then we hope that that is a story that lasts um, happily ever after. In reality, many, many fairy tale beginnings do not end with a happily ever after. So how do Christians walk into um, the reality of life after the end of a marriage? So we're going to talk with Betsy about her book, Once Upon a Divorce, what it looks like to walk with God after the end. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Well, she's written a lot of rom-coms. That's probably where you know Betsy St. Amant Haddix. Um, This is not a rom-com. This is her first nonfiction book, Once Upon a Divorce. Betsy, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, good morning. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're um we're glad you're here, but I'm I'm sorry for um I'm sorry for the the tale that is told that brought you here, and yet it's also a redeemed story, and so I'm thrilled for that. Um maybe you could walk us down the path um of the journey of why you wrote Once Upon a Divorce. Of course. So I've written fiction for I think I'm at 26 books now. And a couple of years ago, I was sitting at a writer's conference and um, another author just kind of mentioned, you know, you should write a nonfiction about your story. And it just kind of stuck with me. Um, this was a long while back, actually. And a couple, um, about two years ago, I just had the urge. I think the Holy Spirit said, it's time. And I put together a proposal, which only has to include you know, three chapters, some title ideas. um, And I sent it out through my agent. And I thought, okay, Lord, this is all you. If you want me to do this, you'll have to open a door because this is very different from what I normally write. And we started getting some rejections and they were the most beautiful rejections. So complimentary. (laughs) It was great, honestly. (laughs) And then I thought, okay, I did my part. I tried. The Lord shut the door. This is not going to happen. And then my publisher, Kriegel, popped up and said, we are so excited about this. We want this book now. And then I thought, oh, no, now I have to write it. (laughs) And so that was kind of the journey of how the book came to be. And writing the actual book was, was so complicated because, like you were saying just now, it's, it's a good story. It's redeemed but there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of healing that I had to kind of go back through and revisit um, in order to put all of that on the page. So it's been quite the journey for sure. I never wanted to be here. Um, I never wanted to write this book because like, you know, right. I never wanted to be here. You wanted security. Um, You wanted the walk down the aisle that leads to the happily ever after. Um, That is not the path that your marriage ultimately took. Um, Would you be willing to, you know, to to share uh, briefly the story of your journey? Right. So I was um, in my late 20s and my daughter was about four years old and things had been a little rough for a little for a little while. Um, 
and I don't want to get into too much of that. That's my ex's story. But basically, he just decided that he couldn't do it anymore. And he had gone to a men's retreat in California. And the thing he said to me before he left for that men's retreat was, if God doesn't change something in me, I'm going to have to change something when I get back. Mm-hmm. And so I knew what that meant. And I spent that week that he was gone, which was ironically right before Valentine's Day um, in 2013. I spent that week praying. Um, we had a prayer meeting at my parents' house. Everyone just um, in my life who loved me banded together and just really prayed for him and for what he was going through. And we were all just so certain we knew what God was going to do. But he came back from that retreat, and I picked him up from the airport, and we drove through for some um, fast food, and he left that night. And I want to read. I want to read um, just a paragraph here because I think that in terms sure. of um, helping helping the woman who's listening right now know that you know. Um, mm-hmm. While he packed, I collapsed on the kitchen floor, the faux tiles um, cold on my knees, listening to my heartbeat pulse an erratic rhythm in my ears. I couldn't breathe. There was no oxygen. But there was the name of Jesus. And somehow, despite being physically unable to suck in air, I could breathe out his name. Despite my world crashing black and frigid around me, despite the shadow of despair clouding my home, there was the unmistakable presence of Christ. Um, the, the lack of, um, well, the description of how it feels to have your, your dream, um, evaporate, I think is, is one word. Um, but the, you also acknowledge that, you know, it was a gathering storm you saw coming for some time. This was, a you know, it, the moment is the moment, but um, it doesn't happen. And divorce doesn't happen in a moment. Um, right. Talk with us about um, some of the, I mean, so some of what you share is genuinely humorous. Like it's a, there's, there's a <laughs> lot of joy here. There's a lot. I mean, I don't want people to think that it's, this is a, this is a wallowing on the kitchen floor in despair, but this is <laughs> a recognition that there is wallowing on the kitchen floor in despair. Like I, so appreciate right. how authentic you are <clears throat> about how real the despair is. Right. And I didn't want it to be too heavy. We need that, you know, comic relief. Um, and the Lord sent plenty of funny things into my life in that season. So I'm glad it's it's a good mix. Um, you won't walk this perfectly. Like there's no right or wrong way um, to to walk this. And so maybe just invite people into the mess of the walking forward, because I do think that um, you um, you have an ability to to tell a story and turn a phrase um, and keep your eye and therefore the reader's eye um, on Christ the whole time. Um, so, I mean, you, you just pick and amplify anything that you want, but I thought it might be helpful to to amplify this. You know, you, you're not going to walk this perfectly. There's not there's not a particularly right way to do this. Right. I wanted women reading this book to really understand and have the encouragement that they won't walk it perfectly, that they're going to mess up. They're going to have moments or hours or days or weeks of not necessarily feeling super Christian about it all. Um, Maybe they'll get mad at God. Maybe they'll go through a season of, you know, just wanting to kind of hide or some apathy towards spiritual things. And I just wanted to send the message that that's okay, 
because you're not going to walk it perfectly. You know, like um, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to make rebound decisions, you're going to have regrets. And that's all part of the process and the healing journey. Talk about the healing journey. Um, you know, the the story obviously takes a redemptive turn. Um, the the road home takes um, obviously must take a redemptive turn. Walking with God after the end um, suggests a a partner in the journey. You know, that is Christ. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you how did you find your footing? How did you take the first step in the direction of um, of the happily ever after, which, you know, which isn't what maybe you thought it was at the beginning. Well, it's kind of like what you said a moment ago when you read that paragraph about the wallowing on the kitchen floor. That was probably the hardest moment of the entire journey, but it was also the best moment because of how close the Lord was and the gift and blessing of his presence. And I think when people go through hardship and trial and just severe pain and trauma, they they do one of two things. They either desperately cling to Christ or they turn their back and they go the other way. And by God's grace, not by anything of my own, I clung to him because he's what I had. And I think that was the start of my healing journey and um, the next steps of faith in my journey was because he had me <laughs> And I had him, and we weren't letting go, and that's what got me through. Um, the color turquoise plays a role in um, in that particular um, part of the conversation. And again, we're talking with Betsy St. Amant Haddix. Uh, the book is Once Upon a Divorce. In here, you say, my friends were there for me, but I had to reach the decision myself to take a step back and redirect my focus. I could have kept complaining, but I recognized it was doing more harm than good. So I intentionally stopped and did something else. Um, You'll know when you reach this point. You'll know when it's time to find something life-giving instead. And the the color turquoise is um, is a part of that for you. And I I love that part of the story as well. We're going to continue our conversation with Betsy here in just a moment. Um, If you're like Maria, who has jumped on the text line and said... um, Wow, I can't believe you guys are talking about this. You're practically reading my story. God bless you for reading this book, for writing this book. Um, if you want to give uh, a shout out here, um, Carolyn is saying that's exactly what happened uh, to me as well. I couldn't breathe. Thank you so much for this conversation in this book. Um, God is my rock. Thank you, Lord. Um, if you're like Carolyn or Maria, if you're like Betsy and you want to check in with me on the text line this morning, I'd love to hear from you. 877-933-2484. We're going to continue our conversation about Once Upon a Divorce, Walking with God After the End. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Betsy St. Amant Haddix, um, author of a lot of rom-coms, but also now the author of Once Upon a Divorce, Walking with God After the End. It is the story of her own journey. Um, and um, Betsy, what kind of feedback have you gotten? Like, I, I mean, I'm getting a lot of feedback on our text line this morning. Like, this is a an experience that resonates with so many people um, I'm wondering, you know, what you've what you've been hearing from folks. How God, how how is God already using this book? 
it's been really cool because I've actually heard from um, a couple of men who's mm-hmm. um, who have been blessed by the book, and they were not my target audience, but I'm so glad that it's still reaching them as well. And uh, one of the things I've heard too is I've got a few friends who are reading this um, who have not gone through divorce, but they say that even the spiritual lessons has been a blessing to them and encouraged them in their faith. So I love that the Lord is using this book in the way that I had hoped, but also in ways I had never even imagined. Yeah, and if you're listening right now um, and you want to connect with Betsy, I can send you the the direct links to um, to her website, Betsy, and then ST for Saint Amant A M A N T dot com. Um, but again, I'm more than happy to send you um, a direct link to her website, and you can check out who she is and what she's working on. Um, Betsy, um, when when you think about the the path forward, the the getting to the the point and the place where you recognize that your happily ever after has arrived at quote unquote the end. How do you take the next step into a new beginning? One of the chapters in the book is um, titled "The Difference Between Giving Up and Moving On," and I think there's there's so much to that because there's a lot of um, spouses who feel called by the Lord to keep fighting for their marriage or, you know, praying and believing in faith for restoration. And I absolutely applaud that. But I also know that for your own, you know, mental and emotional and spiritual health, there's there's ways to move forward and move on, even if you're not ready to let go or give up on the actual marriage. And I list some of the um, ways that you can do that in that particular chapter, such as maybe making your home um you know, redecorating or making your home space more of yours um, in that meantime. And I know for me, there was a moment where I felt released, where I felt like I realized, okay, this is not going to get put back together. So I need to accept that and move forward. And it looks different for everyone. But I think at some point you either get to that point or in some cases the marriage is restored. And it's a different testimony. Yeah. Um, Lois is on the text line, um, deeply resonating as uh, as Jessica, or as are Jessica and Carrie and Carolyn mm-hmm. and so many others, um, Julie. Um, yeah, the kitchen floor part of the story, right? That's, uh, that's actually, it, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting that so many people are like, that is exactly where I was, just on the kitchen wow. floor. Um, wow. Um, this conversation um, often takes place <clears throat> outside of the support system of the local church. Can you mm-hmm. talk with us about um, what what is helpful and what is hurtful for those of us who, you know, are, are sisters in Christ to a woman who is right, like literally, like right now, she is in the midst of recognizing that her happily, happily ever after, you know, that once upon a time that that has come to an end. Um, what can I as a sister in Christ, what can we as a community of believers do rightly and what, what should we resist doing wrongly? I think just making sure that the person going through the divorce feels seen and heard and understood is so valuable. Um, you know, you, you kind of feel like you have a scarlet letter. Um, Mm. and there's, there's so many moments where you just feel judged, even if you're not 
being judged, you feel like maybe there's some assumptions or gossip or, you know, things like that happening about your story. People who think they know what happened or they, you know, it's just so much. So if you can just make that person feel seen and heard and understood and ask them what they need, um, give them scripture, give them encouragement. Um, the things that I would suggest not doing is, you know, don't ask nosy questions unless that person really wants to open up to you. Um, and just kind of respect the the sensitivity of the situation and don't gossip about it. Don't talk about her to other church members um, unless you're honestly in a posture of prayer and how can we minister to her? Let's group together to figure this out. Unless that's the true heart posture, don't don't encourage that kind of, you know, gossip and assumption. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Betsy, I would like for everyone to um, hear and and have the the prayer for you, dear reader, um, prayed over them. Um, would you like to do that, or would you like me to do that? Um, I can do it, absolutely. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll get it pulled up here. Dear God, grasp the hand of the sweet woman holding these pages and tug her closer to you. Cover her with your wings. Tuck her into your heart. Let her feel your presence in fresh ways as she moves forward in her journey. Remind her, Lord, that she is never alone, never forgotten, and is forever fully seen by you. We live in a fallen world and people will disappoint us, but you, Lord, are eternal. You are good and you are trustworthy. And spouses may lie to us, but scripture tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Spouses might leave, but we trust where your word says you never forsake us. And spouses change, but you, God, are blessedly the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Thank you for these women, Father. Draw them closer. Let the assurance of your love and the gospel shout louder and ring truer than any lie from the enemy. If she feels left behind, hold her hand and pull her into step with you. If she feels forgotten, sing over her with your mighty song. If she feels lost, light her path with your love and your word. If she feels heartbroken, let her remember you are near to her. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Friend, if you're feeling um, shame today, just know there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you are feeling the deep sting of um, divorce today, we want to remind you that um, that God um, is the lover of your soul, that Jesus is the bridegroom, that yes. you are the bride. And that he will never leave you and never forsake you. And he loves you all the way home um, to the very real um, end. And that end is just a beginning to live um, as the bride of Christ forever and ever in the kingdom of heaven um, in, in perfect unity um, with, with Christ who loves us. Mm-hmm. And so we want to just encourage you today. Betsy, thank you so much for joining us. What a delight. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. That's Betsy St. Amant Haddix. Um, I'm happy to send you the direct link so that you can um, be in touch with her online and, and get connected. The book is Once Upon a Divorce, Walking with God After the End. Ooh, take a deep breath today um, and recognize that there is very likely um, somebody in your life, I know of a young a uh, young dad of three. His name is Kyler. He is in Pennsylvania. He needs our prayers today. Um, the mom of those three children has left. She left a couple of weeks ago, and Kyler is struggling. You know, he works full time, and now he's got a seven and a four and a one year old. Um, 
who want to know where mommy is. And um, so let's pray for Kyler today. Um, pray for a, uh, a sweet mom of, of three boys um, who her husband has struggling with alcoholism and it has resulted in him not being at home with them and their relationship being in a precarious place. Pray for a couple who, you know, raised a beautiful daughter and then after her marriage began to examine their own and is now considering not staying together. Like this is, um, these are complicated, messy times in which we live and real people are really struggling. So let's be praying for one another today. Let's be um, strengthening our own marriage bonds and let marriage be held in honor among us all. And hey, it's Faith Radio's birthday, so celebrate us at my with us at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.